First of all, I want to mention that Leon Ritchie sent me this, which is a copy of the May-June 1968 Good News. And you see a picture of what was called the Loma D. Armstrong Academic Center. And I was surprised to get it. So I opened it up and looked at it. And here is an article that I wrote that was published in the Good News, which was the second article that I wrote. The first one was What We Should Know. Okay. Now, I want to read the first paragraph to you because this ties in for today. Now, remember, this was 19... 68. God Almighty prophesied of this hideous, wretched society. Now remember, this is 1968. Compared to what it is today, that was nice and mild. Okay. But understand this, quoting now, 2 Timothy 3, 1 to 4, from the Amplified Version. Now, they did a pretty good job in amplifying it, but what I want you to notice is this. The words of God are never out of date because they are eternal from the eternal God. So, quote, but understand this, that in the last days there will be perilous times of great stress and trouble. Hard to deal with, hard to bear, for people will be lovers of self and utterly self-centered, lovers of money, and aroused by an inordinate greed, desire, lust for wealth, proud, arrogant, and contemptuous boasters. That sounds like the headline of today, correct? Absolutely. They will be abusive, blasphemers, scoffers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, and profane. Perfect description of what is taking place right now. They will be without natural human affection, callous and indifferent, relentless, admitting no truce or appeasement. They will be slanderers, false accusers, troublemakers, intemperate and loose in morals and conduct, uncontrolled and fierce, haters of God. That's what we're dealing with with this woke amusement. They hate God and they're making themselves God, under the inspiration of Satan and the demons. They will be treacherous, betrayers, rash, and inflated with self-conceit. They will be lovers of sensual pleasures and vain amusements more than lovers of God. So, 1968. Now, I also want to mention that I'm reading two books alternately, not at the same time. (laughs) One book was written in 1909 and sent to me by Mike Stevens of Mike and Mike, the two Mikes. And it has to do with New Testament dissertations. And I was astonished to find out that in this chapter I was reading, it says that we will be born again at the resurrection. So, sometime from that time until whenever it came in, to Protestantism, 
that you're born again if you accept Jesus was not always in Protestantism. And then the other book I'm reading is by Jonathan Kahn. I'm going through his book, The Return of the Gods. Now, he does a very good job in doing that. Does a very good job in showing the parallels of today. However, we'll have to wait and see what his conclusion is. And we will see, is he really a prophet of God? Is he halfway a prophet of God? Or is he not a prophet of God, but using the words of God, for whatever purpose he intends. So we'll find out. See? Okay? Because here's the thing that's important, which ties in with my message, which is, as you think in your heart, so you are. And your heart is that which you alone control with free moral agency. God expects us to use free moral agency to do his will. Let's come here to Luke 16. Let's see what Jesus said. Luke 16, because this also applies to what we are going to be doing now, between now and Pentecost and even after that. Luke 16, and let's begin in verse 13, okay? Luke 16 and verse 13. Now, here's a great principle that we need to learn, and it's always true. And this is why what's in the heart and in the mind is what God looks to. Because what's ever in our heart and our mind, that will be our works that we will be doing. And that will be behind all the words that we are speaking. Okay? Here it is. No servant is able to serve two masters. Now, that's true. And this ties in with James, the first chapter, which says, that a double-minded man or woman is unstable in all their ways. Same thing. Okay. Now here's what will happen. Sooner or later, it will come down to this. For either he will hate the one and will love the other, or he will hold to the one and despise the other, You cannot serve God and mammon. Now, mammon means riches, wealth, or anything contrary to God. Okay. Now, the Pharisees, who were also covetous, heard all these things, and they ridiculed him. Now, isn't it interesting? The ones who should have known about Jesus... They resisted him. John, the eighth chapter. What did he say of the priest and the Levites at the temple of God? Now, here they were, right at the temple of God. You would think that right there at the temple of the God, of God, that they would be punctilious to love God and keep his commandments, right? After all, It's God's temple. But what happened? It got infiltrated with all the doctrines of Satan. So much so that Jesus said to those priests and Levites there, you are of your father, the devil. 
He was a murderer from the beginning, and there is no truth in him because he's the father of lies. So let's look at it in the world that we have today that we need to live in and understand what we need to do. Okay. So here's what he said. Verse 15. You are those who justify themselves before men, but God knows your hearts. And God is also called in Acts, the 15th chapter, the heart knowing God. Now that's something, isn't it? How does God know our hearts? Well, we find in several places in the Bible, we find it in in. Jeremiah 17, we find it also in the second chapter of Revelation that God tries the reins. Now, what are the reins? Okay. You look it up and it's, they say it's kidneys. Well, God isn't trying our kidneys, but he's trying our minds. And what do our minds look like? but two enlarged kidneys, right? So it means the mind. He tries our mind. He knows what's in our hearts. Okay? Now notice, for that which is highly esteemed among men is an abomination before God. So we have to understand what are we before God and what do we think? And what do we do? And how do we do it? Okay, let's come here to Matthew 12. We'll see a similar thing. Matthew, the 12th chapter. Because the most important thing, as we will see a little later, is this. You have to guard your mind, or your heart. Okay? Matthew 12, let's go back to verse 32. And whosoever speaks a word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit, it shall not be forgiven him. Why? Because that comes from God the Father. This is a denial of the Holy Spirit not just speaking against it, but rejecting it, okay? Neither in this age or the coming one. Either make the tree good, because we have to do that, don't we? We have to think, we have to pray, we have to study. We have to choose to do what is good. We have to choose to do what we should do, okay? Or make the tree corrupt, And its fruit corrupt, for a tree is known by its fruit. Okay. O offspring of vipers, how are you able to speak good things being evil? Now these are the scribes and Pharisees. That's an amazing thing. Now notice this last sentence here. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings out good things, and the wicked man out of the wicked treasure brings out wicked things. And that's what we're confronted with today in such a way. Now we're also confronted with it this way, that never had been in the history of man. The technical means to come into any person's privacy via technology. And that's what's devastating this generation. Now, those of us who live in it, then we have to do the things that we need to so we cannot get caught up into it. 
Now, to start with, think about it this way. How long do you think we would last if we didn't keep the Sabbath? If we didn't have the Word of God to study? How long do you think that the flood of things coming from Satan, the devil, would fill that vacuum and completely overrun it? Look at the awful thing that they are trying, that they are doing with this transgender. And now there's a big lawsuit by one parent against the school because they didn't tell the parents of the operation that they authorized on their little girl. Now, I'll leave you with this before we go forward, which is this. In the state of California, they're trying to pass a law that 12-year-old can leave home. And their parents can do nothing about it. This is purely a homosexual law to get young flesh for all of these gross sinners so they can continue their evil practices. Do you understand what it is? So we have to live in this world. We have to fight against the world. We have to overcome the world. We have to yield ourselves to God so that we don't get entrapped in it. So what we'll do, we'll take a break and then we'll come back and we'll go in to guard the door of your mind. We're back after the break. And we're going to cover how to guard the door of your mind. But first of all, let's talk about and see what is it that should be in our minds. See, Because the unconverted mind or the carnal mind is what? It's enmity against God. It means it's an enemy of God. But to be spiritually minded... That is, you have the Spirit of God, and that's what we need so that we can have the mind of Christ. See? Now, Russell Kemp talked about the covenant that God made with Israel. Well, let's look at the covenant that God is making with us. Okay? Verse 15 Hebrews, the 10th chapter. So turn there, Hebrews 10 and verse 15. And this is after he says that Jesus came to do what? The will of God. Okay. What is one of the first things that we say in our prayer? We covered this many times. What is that? Your will be done. Okay? Now, Hebrews 10 and verse 15. The Holy Spirit also bears witness to us. Now, that's why it's important that we use the Holy Spirit. And Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy, the first chapter, stir up the spirit that's within you by the laying on of my hands. Okay? And we find in Haggai, the first chapter, that God stirred up the spirit of all the people to come and work on the building the temple. So we can stir up the spirit within us by the spiritual actions and thoughts that we take. Okay. Verse 16. This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I will give my laws into their hearts. Now, how is he going to do that? 
we have to read. We have to study. We have to understand. And God puts it in through the power of his Holy Spirit. And I will inscribe them in their minds. And their sins and lawlessness I will not remember ever again. Now, where there is remission of of these is, it is no longer necessary for sacrifices to be offered. That is animal sacrifices, because this is greater than all animal sacrifices. In other words, with this, there is no other greater work that you can do to accomplish what is said here. Do the will of God, have the Spirit of God, and let the laws and commandments of God be written in our heart and in our mind, and that means we have to study. Okay? So he says, Therefore, brethren, having confidence to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. Okay? Now, what does that mean? This covenant with God means, with the Holy Spirit that we have, that we have direct access to God the Father and Jesus Christ in heaven above all the time. Do you understand that? You understand how great that covenant is? Do you understand what God is doing to perfect that and what he does for us and what we need to do because we will see our part in carrying this out in just a little bit. Verse 20, by a new and living way. That's what it is. Which he consecrated for us through the veil, that is, his flesh, his sacrifice. Now remember when he died, what happened? The huge veil on the outside of the temple ripped in two from top to bottom, showing that the way to the holiest was open. And this explains how, with God's Spirit. Okay. Now notice what we are to do. Having a great high priest over the house of God, let us approach God with a true heart. No duplicity. With full conviction of faith that God is there, he will hear, he will answer, his word is true, and he will never fail. Our hearts having been purified from a wicked conscience and our bodies having been washed with pure water, that is, by baptism. So here's how we do it. Verse 23, let us hold fast without wavering to the hope that we profess. For he who has promised is faithful. Okay. In other words, there is no way that you're not going to have the help of God. Well, let's come back here to Proverbs, the second chapter. And let's see how the covenant with Israel and the words of the Old Testament agree with the New Testament and how this shows what we must do. And we see in the New Testament, we see conditions as well. And there are 1,745 ifs in the whole Bible. And all of them apply to us as human beings. Because we are in the process of being perfected. Haven't arrived there yet. Okay? And that will not occur until the resurrection. Complete perfection. Proverbs 2, verse 1. My son... Now remember this, if you have the Spirit of God, you're the Son of God or the children of God, right? Okay. 
So this is actually instruction by David to Solomon. If you will receive my words, treasure up my commandments within you. That is in your mind, just like we saw back there in Hebrews 10. So that you incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding. Now, this is what we grow in grace and knowledge. These are just other words of growing in grace and knowledge. Wisdom and understanding of the word of God. Wisdom and understanding how it applies to us and what we do and how we think and all of our actions, okay? So there's the first if, verse 1, okay? Verse 3, yea, if, conditional, okay? You cry after knowledge and lift up your voice for understanding. Conditional. What did Jesus say in Matthew, the fifth chapter? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. See? See how fantastic that is, the way that the Bible comes together? That's why we need the whole thing all the time. We can't. You know, just think of this. What an absolutely vicious doctrine against God for anyone to say that everything in the Old Testament has been fulfilled and we have no need for it. Think of that. That's an attack against God. Okay? So if you cry after knowledge and lift up your voice for understanding, if You seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasure. Okay. Now notice there are three ifs. What follows afterwards? See. Because this is telling us. This is the only way that we're going to have our minds strong and sharp and resistant against evil. And knowing the truth and spotting lies and errors. Okay? So notice what verse 5 says. Then, so if, 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 then you shall understand the fear of the Lord and find a knowledge of God. Because what happens? And all of this comes from God through his word and through his spirit. For the Lord gives wisdom, out of his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. Now think about how this ties in with what Jesus said. Back in Matthew 4 and Luke 4. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by what? By every word that proceeds out of his mouth. Which ties into what? Obey my voice. Okay. All of those come together, and these we should have in our minds and in our hearts. Okay. Verse 7. He lays up sound wisdom for the righteous, and that means the fool will never find it because they don't keep the commandments of God. He is a shield to those who walk uprightly, He keeps the paths of right judgment and preserves the way of his saints. Now notice all of this. This all builds because we have the three ifs. Now here is the second then. This is why you can study the Bible and study the Bible and all of a sudden, you begin to understand more of it, see? Because that's the way God designed it, see? So here we have verse 9. Then, after everything through the first eight verses, you shall understand righteousness and judgment and equity and every good path. Now, 
This takes time. This takes study. This takes prayer. This takes living. All together, all of those combined together. Okay. Then you shall understand righteousness and judgment and equity, every good path. Wisdom shall enter into your heart and knowledge shall be pleasing to your soul. That you will feel so great when you understand the word of God that he's given it to us, that he loves us, that he educates us, that he teaches us, that he's training us, and that our covenant is for eternal life. And as Russell brought out, to rule the world. And what's the greatest mess that we're all facing everywhere in the world today? Nothing but trouble. So we need this. Okay? Verse 11. Discretion shall preserve you, and understanding shall keep you. Then it talks about keeping you away from sexual sins. And, of course, that's one of the biggest problems down through history. All right? Let's come here to verse 20. Verse 20, chapter 2. In order that you may walk in the way of good, and that's God's way. We're to walk in it. We're to keep it. See? And keep the paths of righteousness. For the upright shall dwell in the land, and that means the New Testament, in the kingdom of God, and the perfect shall remain in it. But the wicked shall be cut off from the earth, and the transgressors shall be rooted out of it. Now what do we find in Revelation 20? What's going to happen to those who don't repent? Well, that's called the second death, right? Yes. Well, here in chapter 3, we covered a lot of it during the Feast of Unleavened Bread. So let's come down here to verse 21 of chapter 3. Okay. Now take it this way. David's talking to Solomon, writing this to him. Now take it this way. God the Father and Jesus Christ are talking to us through their word. Okay. Verse 21, my son, do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep sound wisdom and discretion, for they shall be life to you, or life to your soul, rather, and grace to your neck. In other words, protect our minds and protect our hearts. Okay. Then you shall walk in your way safely, and your foot shall not stumble. Okay, so that's what God has given to us. Then you will find some interesting things at the, toward the end of the chapter here, verses 27 through 31. There are five do not, do not, do not, do not, do not. So go over that, okay? Now. Let's come to chapter 4. Here we are. Let's pick it up in verse 10. Again, remember, take this as God talking to you personally. Because sometimes we go along and we think, oh, what does God want me to do? Well, he wants us to choose the right way. That's why we study the word of God, see? That's what he wants, and he'll let it be known, okay? Verse 10, hear, O my son, and receive my sayings, and the years of your life shall be many. Equate that in the New Testament, eternal life. I have taught you the way of wisdom. Now think about that when you read about what happened to Solomon. He had it taught to him. Okay? I have led you in the right paths. 
When you go, your step shall not be hampered, and when you run, you shall not stumble. How do you do that? See? That is how you live your life. See? Well, let's read it. Verse 13. Keep hold of instruction. Whatever God says. Whatever he tells us. Do not let go. Keep her, for she is your life. Now they're talking about wisdom and understanding. Especially in this world. Because everything is out there by Satan the devil to try and take as many people away as he can do. And within the church as well. See? And likewise, what I'm reading here, not only does it apply to everyone who is baptized, but it doubly applies to all of the elders and ministers in teaching. And we have to follow what Paul wrote to Timothy. 2 Timothy 4, verse 1, he told Paul, quite a direct command, preach the word. Be instant in season and out of season. That means all year round with all of the feast of God, the holy days of God, okay? because those are the things which keep us in contact with God, and those are the things that keep us focused on the purpose of God's plan and what he's doing. Okay. Then he gives a warning. God always gives warning. Because Satan comes along. See, and the temptations that will come to us will not be wildly wicked. Some of them will appear to be quite good. So remember that. And remember that the way of man, the tree of their knowledge of good and evil. So the good of the knowledge of the tree of good and evil always ends up in a disaster. But the good that comes from God always remains good. All right. Let's continue here. Enter not into the path of the wicked and go not in the way of evil men. Avoid it. Do not go in it. Turn from it and pass on. See? Number one, don't enter. Number two, avoid it. Number three, again, don't go into it. Number four, turn from it and pass on. That's the only way that you can protect your mind from the evil. Now, as I've mentioned before, I one button on my remote control that I, I probably the most active is the pause button for voice. I don't want to hear any commercial. I don't want to watch any commercial. Why? Because there's always a subtle message that they're trying to get into the minds of those who are watching. Okay. Uh, notice verse 16. For they do not sleep except when they have done mischief. And their sleep is taken away unless they have caused some to fall. That's the purpose of Satan. That's the purpose of all of this. Okay. For they eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. Okay. Now, contrasted to that is the way that we are to live. And it gets to the point of what we really need to do. All of these together are all woven into one, how shall we say, package, as it were. Okay. Verse 18. But the path of the just 
is as the shining light and shines more and more to the perfect day. And that perfect day is the day of the resurrection. But the way of the wicked is his darkness, and they know not at what they stumble. And they can't figure out why things never work right. They can't figure out because they have left God. They have left the word of God. Okay. So then he says, verse 20, My son, attend to my words, incline your ear to my sayings, let them not depart from your eyes, and keep them in the midst of your heart. Now that's quite a saying, isn't it? See, So we are entrusted with the Spirit of God. God helps us to grow in grace and knowledge as we grow in knowledge and application of God's word and his commandments and walking in his way. Okay? Let them not depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Okay? That helps you with everything that you do. Spiritually, physically, mentally, and everything. Now, verse 23 is the key. Here it is. Here's the sum of everything up to this point. Okay? Above all, verse 23, guard the door of your mind with diligence. That's why you have to reject things that come up to try and take root into your mind. And it can come by a suggestion, can come by music, it can come by looking, lusting, okay? So these things have to be gotten rid of, see? And you have your mind focused on God's way. Guard the door of your mind with diligence. Why? For out of it are the issues of life. Everything about life. Eternal life, right and wrong, good and evil, how we should live our life. So guard the door of your mind with diligence. Now notice what else. When you do that, you're going to find that within you, you still have things to overcome. Okay? So notice what he says in verse 24. Put away from you a deceitful mouth, and devious lips put par from you. Let your eyes look right on. Let your eyelids look straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet, and all your ways shall be established. Do not turn to the right hand nor to the left. Remove your foot from evil. Now all of this that we just covered is an introduction to understanding all the rest of the soul and all the rest of the Bible. See? And how it connects with the New Testament as well. All right? Now, when that happens, what are we to do? How are we to apply this? All right, let's come to some of the psalm. Let's come to Psalm 63, okay? And we have to do this. As David brings out in Psalm 63, very importantly, Psalm 63, verse 1, and this is why prayer is necessary every single day. And you will find, as one man found, he finally confessed that for two years he never prayed on his knees. Which is kind of like fleeting thoughts in his mind. And did he get himself in trouble? Yes. 
he got himself in big-time trouble, okay? And that would apply to anyone who does the same thing. If God gives you life, which he does, if everything that is the most important thing is the kingdom of God, which it is, if we are to bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ, as it says in 2 Corinthians 10, prayer and study are absolutely imperative because that's your spiritual food. Now, you know how you get when you fast and you're not eating and you get hungry and you get thirsty, all right? Well, spiritually, this is how we are to approach God. This is how we guard the door of our minds. Let's read it. Oh, God, you are my God. Earnestly, I will seek you. My soul thirsts for you. And that's a never-ending thirst. And only God can fill that. My flesh longs for you as in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. So keep in mind this way. Keep in mind a desert where there's no water. And then alongside of that, you have an oasis where there's a flowing of water. And out there in the desert is Satan's way. And over here in the oasis is God's way. Okay. Now notice what David was looking to. To see your power and your glory as I've seen you in the sanctuary. Now that's quite a statement from this point of view. At the time that David wrote this psalm, The Ark of the Covenant was in his house in a special tent. And Asaph, the high priest and other priests were there tending to it. So he would come and pray before God where the Ark of the Covenant was behind the curtains. And apparently God let him see a shape of himself. Now think of what that must have been for David, see? He said, as I have seen you in the sanctuary, because your loving kindness is better than life, and my lips shall praise you. Thus will I bless you as long as I live. I will lift up my hands to your name. My soul shall be satisfied with marrow and fatness, and my mouth shall praise you with joyful lips. When I remember you, remember God. Now this will happen. Okay. Verse 6. Many times God will deal with you when you're getting ready to go to sleep, when you're lying in bed and you're thinking on God and you're thinking on God's ways. Verse 6. When I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the night watches. Then he realized something else, something we all need to realize continuously. Verse 7, because you have been my help, therefore in the shadow of your wings I will rejoice. Now, I covered about a shadow, but that's quite an interesting thing. Shadow of the wings of God, okay? Verse 8, my soul follows hard after you. Your right hand upholds me. So that's quite a song. Think of that. Think how dedicated that David was. And this helps us to understand how dedicated that we need to be also in seeking God his way. Now let's come to Psalm 9, and let's see something here. Now, I recommend this. If you've been having a lot of difficulties and problems and things you need to work on and to overcome, spend a lot of times in the psalm. And also, open up your Bible when you're on your knees 
and read some of these psalms as introductions for you for your prayer to God. Okay, That's what this is for. And so that with God's spirit and with God's word, your prayer makes connection with God. Okay. Psalm 9. Let's pick it up here in verse 1. I will praise you, Lord, with my whole heart. Now we're going to look into something that's really very important. See, Like we started out. Where did we start out? Remember where we started? No one is able to serve two masters, right? Okay. How do you avoid that? Right here. Okay. With my whole heart. I will tell of all of your marvelous works. I will be glad and rejoice in you. I will sing praises to your name, O Most High. Okay. Notice what happens then. God helps you and fights for you, right? Didn't we cover that on the last day of the, of the Feast of Unleavened Bread? When my enemies have turned back, they shall fall and perish before you. For you have maintained my right and my cause. And God did. God delivered David over and over and over and over again from so many things. It was like he was almost at war every single week of his life. Okay. For you have maintained my right and my cause, and you sit upon the throne giving righteous judgment. This carries clear into the book of Revelation. You have rebuked the nations. You have destroyed the wicked. And think how many wicked are going to be destroyed when Christ returns. You have blotted out their name forever and ever. What is that? Second death, like a fire. Okay. Now notice verse 6, and this is what the world is going to come to. See, A prophecy ties right in with revelation. Endless ruin has overtaken the enemy. When you read Revelation, remember that. Okay. You have uprooted the cities. What does it say in Revelation 16? The cities of the earth fell. Now you talk about a giant mess to clean up. See, what we're going to inherit with the kingdom of God, first of all, is the greatest mess ever in the history of the world to straighten it out. In addition to helping people understand what really took place. And we can tell them, we'll heal you. Christ is in Jerusalem. We have a new world government. And we're the ones that Christ has sent to help you clean up this mess, and to understand about God. Now think what a great thing that's going to be, okay? All right. Continue on here, verse 7. But the Lord shall endure forever. He has prepared his throne for judgment. He shall judge the world in righteousness. He shall govern the people with justice. That's what we're going to do. The Lord also will be a refuge for the oppressed, a refuge in time of trouble, and he will deliver us out of all of that. So God is there to make those things happen. All right, let's come to um, Psalm 27. And so here's how we can really grow in grace and knowledge and guard the door of our minds by keeping our minds on God, his word, his way, the goal, and everything that there is. Okay? Verse 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Now, we're going to have a lot of things that are going to happen. So the only way we're going to 
survive all of those is to have the strength of God. The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Okay. When the wicked, my enemies and my foes, came up against me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. No. Then he talks about even though there's an army. Doesn't make any difference. God is there. He's going to rescue us. He's going to help us in everything. Okay? Now then, let's look at some of the things that that God shows that he will do. Okay? Since we're right here close by, let's come to Psalm 31 and 21. Now this shows that God is there even if everything around us is disintegrating. Doesn't make a bit of difference. Okay? Verse 21. Blessed is the Lord, for he shows his wondrous loving kindness in a besieged city. And I said in my haste, I am cut off before your eyes. Nevertheless, you heard my voice and my supplications when I cried unto you. Now notice the next verse. Oh, love the Lord, all his saints. The Lord preserves the faithful and fully repays the proud doer. And here's what happens when we guard the door of our mind and trust in God and rely on his spirit and rely on his word. Next verse. Be strong. Let your heart take courage. All who hope in the Lord. All right. Now, let's add to all of this how then we are to seek God. And we find this in Psalm 119. So you see how important it is to study the psalm. And Psalm 119 is the epitome, the epitome of Hebrews, the 10th chapter about having the laws of God written in our hearts and inscribed in our minds. The epitome of it. And this is the greatest refutation against all the Protestants in the world who say the law is done away. This whole 119th Psalm, all right? Let's pick it up here, verse 1. Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk, what? In the law of the Lord. See? Blessed. See, they think the law of God is a curse. It's not a curse. It's a blessing. Blessed are they who keep his testimony. Now notice this. Who seek him with the whole heart. Right back to where we started. No one can serve two masters. Your whole heart. See? Okay. Now let's look at another one. Let's come over here to verse 10. Okay. Verse 10. With all my heart. Another way of saying wholeheartedness. With all my heart I have sought you. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. And how is that accomplished? Here again, this ties in with Hebrews the 10th chapter, verse 11. Your word I have laid up in my heart. Guard the door of your heart diligently. So that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord, teach me your statutes. Okay. Now. Let's come to verse 34. Now read all the verses in between because this is fantastic. Tell you. Verse 34. Okay. Let's back up to verse 33. Okay. 
teach me. That's what God wants. He wants us to learn. And he teaches us out of his word. If we could sit down right at a table with God right in front of us, what would he say to us? What he's got in his word. So when you have the Bible right in front of you, you have the word of God coming from the mouth of God, coming from the mouth of his prophets and the mouth of those that he inspires to write from the apostles, from Christ himself. Okay. Teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes, and I will keep it unto the end. No half-heartedness, no in-between, no double standard. Give me understanding that I may keep your law and observe it with all my heart. See how all of this comes together? See? This is why we have the Sabbath, brethren, and why it's important, see? Because coming to Sabbath and then with personal prayer and study during the week, this is the spiritual food that we need to grow in grace and knowledge, to stay strong in the Lord, to stay faithful in the Lord, to guard the door of our minds, to keep our hearts diligently, see? Verse 35, make me to walk in the path of your commandments, for I delight in them. Let's read a couple more verses here. Incline my heart to your testimonies and not to covetousness. That's how you keep from sinning. Okay. Turn away my eyes from seeing vanity. Give me life in your way. Now, verse 38. See, actually, this whole Psalm 119 is one that you can hardly stop from reading the whole thing because one thing leads to another, leads to another, and reinforces the other in a magnificent way. Okay? Verse 38. Fulfill your word to your servant so that you may be feared. Turn away my reproach, which I fear, for your judgments are good. Behold, I have longed after your precepts. Give me life in your righteousness. Boy, that tells us a lot, doesn't it, huh? Okay, let's see. There are a couple more we want to look at. Verse 65, you have dealt well with your servant, O Lord, according to your word. Teach me good judgment. In other words, help you make right decisions. Look at what happens when you make bad decisions. Trouble always comes. Teach me good judgment and knowledge, for I have believed your commandments. So notice, you have knowledge, understanding, belief, faith, love, keep, all of those together like in a sphere, all compacted together representing the way of God and how we need it. Okay? Now we've covered just about everything we need to cover. So let's end with this. Let's come to Mark 12. Because all of what we have covered will lead to this. And we'll come back to the fundamental thing that God wants us to do. Okay? And... Make this part of your prayer every day, what we're going to read here. Do you know what we're going to read? Make this part of your prayer, that when you're praying, you ask God, help me, O God, to love you this way. This is what God wants, see? And this will give you the right standing before God in a way that is magnificent indeed, okay?
Let's pick it up here in verse 29 after being, after Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment? Jesus answered him, the first or the most important. Okay. The first of all the commandments. And then he quotes Deuteronomy 6. And then Jesus, we have another version of it in Matthew 22. Okay. The first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, that's whoever you are, whatever your name is. Our one God is the Lord, the Lord, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. See? That's how you guard the door of your mind or your heart. With all of your soul, everything about you, with all of your mind, with all of your strength. This is the first commandment. And brethren, if we do that, think about what will happen in our lives. Spiritually speaking, I'm not talking about acquiring more physical things or anything like that. Some of those may come, some of them may not come. But the most important thing is our relationship with God the Father and Jesus Christ and loving God this way. And then love our neighbor as ourself, and then love each other as Christ loved us. Now think about how you react to the brethren. Do you really love them as Jesus loved them? Well, that's another one to pray about every day, right? Okay. So this is how you guard the door of your mind. So until next week, goodbye everyone.